are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, I was praying today, oh Lord, don't let us just have church tonight but let us meet God and and let us have God do something in our lives my life included so in the book of Joshua chapter 5 beginning in verse 13 near the end of the chapter I want to start reading the wonderful word of God I cannot stand up to preach as I do nearly every day of my life but what thanking but without thanking God we have a Bible that's the perfect book of God. Thank God for the Bible. And I, I want to read in Joshua chapter 5, beginning of verse 13, read down into chapter 6 a little bit. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Let me stop to remind you, the children of Israel had finished 40 years of journey in the wilderness. Now they've come to the land of Canaan, God had promised them, and here's the first city they must take in the land of Canaan. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once, Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, and compass the city. 
and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. It came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and the re reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. Some mornings ago, I was reading the Word of God in my home, and I was reading in sequence through the Bible, and I came to this wonderful passage in the Word of God. And the Lord seemed to speak to me about the subject, taking the city. And God here gives direction to his man and his people about how to take the city. I'm not saying tonight that we always are talking about taking the city for Christ in which you live. God may be saying something else to someone tonight. Take control of your life. Let God have control of your life. God may be saying, take control of your home and your family and let God have the leadership in your home. But I, God impressed me with this wonderful thought, uh, God's plan to take the city. Now, you know, Joshua met a man, and I would like for us to meet that man tonight and identify the man that Joshua met that night. Forty years they'd been in the wilderness marching, and now they've come to the land of Canaan. And there is this great walled city, and the Bible said it was shut up. And Joshua and the people of God must take this city. And Joshua was out viewing the city and looking at this well-fortified city with the great stone walls surrounding it. And he met a man. Now that man, no doubt, the scripture bears out, was none other than the pre-incarnate Son of God, Jesus in the Old Testament. You know, you don't read far in the Bible till you read about Jesus. When you read about the creation, you're reading about Jesus. For the Bible says that by him were all things made, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the man that Joshua met was a man with a sword in his hand. You see that picture in the Bible, especially in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. You see the Lord Jesus Christ appearing to his servant on the Isle of Patmos. And the Bible said that a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. And here you see a man standing with a sword in his hand. He said, I'm the captain of the host of the Lord. That's the unseen army of God that still functions and works and fights for the people of God. He's saying to Joshua, you don't have to take this city by yourself. You don't have to take it with just your army of human flesh, but the host of heaven, the armies of heaven 
are behind you in this battle. He met with Joshua. I know that this was Jesus, the pre-incarnated Christ in the Old Testament because Joshua fell down and worshipped him. And you know the Bible teaches there's only one who deserves our worship and only one who can receive the worship of a child of God and that's the Lord himself. So I know who this man is. If I didn't know in chapter 5, I'd know as I read on uh, the conversation, this man, this son of man, this Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Joshua and spoke to him. So this is Jesus meeting with the general of the army to give him the plan and the power to take the city for God. You know, in the, in the chapter 5 of the book of Joshua, I read some wonderful things. I read that after 40 years, they'd not observed the ritual of circumcision. For 40 years, this ritual that really meant something in the Bible, really meant something to the people of God. When it began, God said to Abraham, this shall be a sign of my covenant with you that I will give you the land. I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. And God said, this shall be a symbol of my covenant and my word that I will keep my word which I have given you. That's the ritual of circumcision in the Old Testament. For 40 years it had not been observed. For 40 years the people had forgotten about the covenant that reminded them God will always keep his word. And after 40 years they reinstated that great ritual in the Old Testament that was stood for a covenant with God's people and their God that God would always keep his word and never break it. I read they did something else in chapter 5. They observed the Passover. For 40 years in the wilderness, they had failed to do these great things that spoke uh, so much about God and his word. They'd failed to keep the Passover. But in chapter 5, the Bible says they kept the Passover. They observed once again the covenant with God. Once again, they said, we believe whatever God has said is so, and it'll come to pass. Once again, they said, we look for the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world as they observed the Passover. And God said to them, I've rolled away from you the reproach of Egypt. What a wonderful thing God did for them. I've taken the stink and reproach of Egypt off of you because you've remembered the covenant and you've remembered the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I've rolled the reproach of Egypt off of you. You know, I believe that's what God wants to do for every Christian is to remove from us the reproach of the world out of which God has saved us. I remember reading in the Bible so many times about some things the people took out of Egypt. 
They took some things out of Egypt they ought not to have taken. They said, let's take our kneading boards and troughs, that is to make bread in the wilderness. They didn't know it, but God's going to feed them manna from heaven for 40 years and never run out till they had plenty every day. But they said, we might better look out for ourselves, take these kneading troughs. They took gold by the laps full. And one day that gold turned into a golden calf. And uh, before which they fell in worship, you'd better be careful what you bring with you out of Egypt. God wants you to come out of it clean. And God said, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And then God met, Jesus met with Joshua. This was an experience. This was something Joshua needed in order to take the city. You know, you can believe the Bible is the Word of God. You can believe tonight you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. But still, you may not be able to take the city. You need an experience with Christ that gives you power and direction and gives to you a plan for taking the city. This man, Joshua, had an experience of power. You can be saved, but you may not be able to take the city. We need what Joshua got that evening when he met the Lord Jesus face to face and dropped his own sword and pulled off his shoes and knelt before him and let God deal with his life and give him the courage and power to take the city. We need that tonight. Our churches, many churches, you know, we, we live in a wonderful climate. We have a church like this. And sometimes I think we Christians are tend to believe that all churches are like this church, Baptist churches. Oh, they're not. Their churches dying, independent Baptist churches dying all over America because they need to meet with God and get God's power and God's plan in order to take the city. And Joshua had a wonderful experience with God and he came out a new man. He was already a great man, but he needed something in order to take the city. I was preaching in a church some years ago where a young man who had gone out from Midwestern Baptist College, he came and he told us right at the beginning, said, I'm not, I don't have a real good mind. He's kind of like I am, a little bit daffy in some ways. And he said, I don't have a good mind, but I'll do my best. He couldn't finish in four years. It took him five years because he said, he admitted, I don't have the mind in order to do what other people can do. But when he finished in five years, he went to a large city and started a church and began to win people for Christ. After he'd been there a year, he called me one day and he said, Preacher, I want you to come and preach in our church. And I went. And I saw some things and heard some things. I don't think I've ever seen anything just like it. 
He had an auditorium by then seated about 400 people. And the auditorium was filled. I was sitting up here and he said, Brother Tom, I want to introduce you to our people. And I want to introduce you to the people that have been saved uh, in this church, this first one year. I want to introduce these people to you. So he said, I want everybody been saved in this church the first, this first year to stand to your feet. A, a large number of that uh, auditorium filled and a large number of them stood to their feet. He started pointing them out. He said, now, there's this brother here. said, he was the biggest crook in this city before he was saved. And the brother's standing there with his Bible in his hand saying, Amen, Amen. He said hey, he'd steal every dime he could get his hands on. Biggest crook in the city. And the brother said, Amen, Amen. And he kept on, introduced him, and he'd tell what kind of life they were saved from. And a lady stood. There were a number of ladies. But one lady stood. He said, well, this lady was nothing but a streetwalker until the Lord Jesus saved her. Now she's a wonderful child of God. She's uh, hugging her Bible. She said, amen, praise the Lord. I said, oh, Lord, let me get under this pew. Get me, get, I, I don't know whether I can take this or not. And um, uh, in a service that night, I was sitting by a preacher, a wonderful preacher. I mean, a brilliant man. And a man with the power of God upon him. And a great student of the Bible. And he said, you ever see anything like this morning? I said, no, not just exactly like it. I never saw anything just exactly like that before. And this, this wonderful preacher, man of God, said, Oh, I wish, I wish I had upon my life something I see upon the life of that young man. And the tears were streaming down the face of this preacher. That night, the service was to begin. The preacher came on the platform. And he said a few words to the people. He said, today, I've been out with the Lord. He said, I've been out under a tree this afternoon, meeting with God, letting God deal with me. Begging God for his blessing and his power upon my life. He said, I came, I came a little while ago. And on my way to the service, my wife handed me my Bible. I've been out with God. What a wonderful time I've had in the last four hours out under a tree with God. I was still sitting with that preacher in that part of the service. And he said, now I understand. Now I understand why people are being saved. I understand why the power of God is upon his church. I understand why he's reaching people. I understand why lives are being changed because here's a man that's had an experience with God and God has given him power and a plan to do the work of God. Oh, how we need that tonight. Joshua had an experience with God. He got the help of heaven. He got in his army the host of heaven and the power of the Lord upon his life. And God said to Joshua, the Lord Jesus said, now I want to give you a plan to take the city. And I believe it's a plan that still will work. I believe it's as up to date as if it were written this morning. God's plan to take the city or take whatever 
God is speaking to your heart about tonight. I read of this city in verse 1. Jericho was shut up. Shut up. The Bible says none came in and none went out. I mean, this was a city that could not be penetrated by human energy. The city was shut up. But God had a plan to open it up. And you know, a lot of people are talking about cities where you can't do a work of God, where you couldn't build a great church, where you couldn't see people saved. I beg to differ with that. God is an expert, and I speak reverently. God is an expert of opening up cities where he can find someone to take his plan to take that city. The city was shut up. Shut up with idolatry and unbelief. Shut up with religion. They already had their false gods and their religion. It was shut up by Satan. The devil doesn't want us to take a city for God. And the city was shut up. It was shut up because nobody opened it up until there came a man who had met with God and to whom God had given a plan that would open up the city. I remember years ago in Emmanuel Baptist Church where I pastored for 45 years and where I've been whatever I am for the last six years. And uh, I remember, oh, what wonderful days when hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were saved when at least 30 people every Sunday for years were, in, were baptized in the baptistry. And I remember one wonderful week. I wish you could say it was last week, but I can't. It was years ago. When it seemed like that church said, we want to take this city for God. We want to, this week, win more souls to Christ than we've ever won before. It seemed like one, one family in unison rose to their feet, took hold of God, and said, we're going to take this city for God. 1,107 people signed a notebook we had where we met for visitation. That one week, 1,107 people signed that book and went out from door to door. That's God's plan. Yeah. I remember one night of that week, I had one of the sweetest experiences I've ever had. Two car loads of us men had planned and prayed about a large apartment complex. We were going to it that night, and oh, we had big plans. We had our Bibles and our tracts, and, we prayed and we were going to absolutely take that large high-rise apartment. We were going to take it by storm. But we got there and unloaded. I think there were nine men. And someone said, you know, we can't get in. This place is shut up. And someone in there is going to have to push a button and ring a bell or you can't get in. And I stood there. I didn't know what to do. It took me by surprise. It took seven other men 
by surprise, and eight of us stood with our mouths open, open, wondering, how can you get in an apartment complex that shut up? And no one can get in except someone open it up for you. And there was an old boy there from Arkansas, which is a wonderful place to be from. I've been there. He, an old boy there from Arkansas, had no formal education, but he'd been with God, and he loved souls, and he knew how to pray. And so I watched him. In a moment, he got over under a window that was open about four stories up, and he said, George! I said, what are you doing? George! He said, George! And in a moment, a lady came, put her head out the window and said, uh, who are you calling? He said, I'm calling George, uh, 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 your husband. He said, my husband's named Bob. Oh yeah, that's the fella, Bob. <laughs> she said, hold on, I'll push the button and let you in. You know, God, God knows how to open it up when there's somebody that's been with God for a while. I never will forget that wonderful night. There were a good many people saved. I met three fellows trying to get out. They were on the stairway. They didn't bother, bother with the elevator. And I met them on the stairway. I had the privilege to lead three people to the Lord on the stairway because some, God gave somebody the plan and the wisdom and the power to open it up so you could get in and get the gospel out and get people saved. And God gave to Joshua a plan. You know, it's a strange thing that the Bible makes it so clear that there's a plan to win souls, to build churches, to see people baptized, to see lives changed. But we've come to the day and hour when many Baptist churches and preachers think there's something better than the plan in the book. It's never changed, thank God. And it'll work anywhere somebody'll work it. It still will work. Now, it was a strange plan. You know, I'm, I'm impressed by the Lord said to Joshua, now I've given you the city. You wouldn't want to say that to a lot of Baptist people. It's yours, I've given it to you. I know a lot of Baptists say, where's my rocking chair? God's already given it to us. We don't need to work. We don't need to pray. We don't need to go visiting. God's given us a city. But that's what, not what God was talking about. I've given you the city. Now here's the plan to take it. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 it says, by faith the walls of Jericho came down. And I wanna to say to you tonight, many a person is saying, if God wants it done, God will do it. But God wants to use some people like you and I. I've given you the city, but it didn't relieve people's responsibility. I was reading this chapter and I got to think about the Lord said now, don't want any shouting right now. I've given you the city, don't shout yet. 
after you've done what you're supposed to do, and you take the city, and you do the work of God, then you can shout. And they shouted, and the walls came down. You know, the, there's a rocking chair philosophy that a lot of Christians have. And they say it, they express it in such a pious way. They say, let God do it. I'm so sick of hearing, let God do it. And all the while the pews are empty and the altars are barren and the water is never stirred and they keep on saying, let God do it. You know, that's an excuse for not being willing to assume the responsibility. I was preaching in a church some few weeks ago, and my wife and I had driven across a part of the state of Michigan for one service in a church where they have about 1,600 Sunday school and people are saved all the time, and the evidence of God's blessing is everywhere. And the, the, before the service, the preacher and I were meeting in his office, and we were talking. And he said, say something to me that will help me. Oh, I thought God has wonderfully helped me. This is such a great work. But he said, say something to me that will help me. And I have a habit sometimes to say first thing that comes into my mind. Now, for instance, I was preaching in Fort Worth, Texas years ago, and a lady came up to me and said, what do you think about people wearing shorts? And before I realized what I was saying, I said, well, I have a pair on right now, and I haven't seen the lady since. But the young preacher said, uh, say something to me. And I said to him, keep their feet to the fire without burning them to death. And the more I thought of what I said, I thought, my, Brother Tom, that was kind of good. <laughs> keep their feet to the fire. You know, I believe a preacher ought to keep the, the feet of people to the fire about winning souls to Christ. And don't ever get the philosophy, let God do it. God's not going to do it uh, without using people like you and I to get the work done. Why, you take this book. It's God's book. It's a perfect book. Needs no additions and needs no correction. It's God's book. But God said to 38 or 40 people, write what I tell you to write. That's the way we got this Bible. The greatest miracle ever been wrought in the history of the whole universe was the, the birth of Jesus by a virgin and his incarnation and his enfleshment, uh, the deity of God being enfleshed in human form. Greatest miracle that ever was, was the miracle of Jesus being born with no man in it. But it didn't happen without somebody yielding to God. Said to a little Jewish maiden, I want your body for about nine months. She said, how can this be? seeing I know not a man. And the Lord said to her, The power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and that holy thing which shall be born of thee 
shall be called the Son of God. I want to tell you, God, this philosophy, let God do it. You don't get it out of the Bible. You get it from the flesh because people are not willing to take God's plan. Now, God gave a plan to take the city. And I wasn't there, of course, I'm not quite that old. But I, I have an idea about some conversations that might have gone on. The Lord said, now, you'll march around the city every day for six days, one time. On the seventh day, you shall march seven times around the city. I can just hear some people saying, now, let me get this clear. And usually when some guy comes up to you and says, now, now, let me get this clear. He's a guy that's never going to get it clear because he's already made up his mind. Somebody must have said, now, let me get this clear. No battering rams, no spears, no swords, no stone throwers. You mean that city, well-walled, shut up until no one comes out, no one goes in. You mean just marching is going to bring the walls down? And you know, the reasoning of human flesh tonight is you can't take the city by using the plan of God. This plan made no sense to the carnal mind. But it was God's plan. And God's plan always works when we listen to God. I can imagine some sweet old lady coming up. Say, now let me get this straight. You mean somebody my age, you see this white hair? You mean somebody my age going to be marching every day, all day? And on the seventh day, seven times, let me get this straight. You mean you expected me to march? And I've imagined what Joshua said. He said, well, sister, you've been practicing 40 years for this march. You've been marching in the wilderness. You know, you never get too old to serve God. I, get, I, I almost lose my temper sometimes when somebody comes up and says, well, Brother Tom, how does it feel to be retired? I'm not sanctified as you are. I told Brother Treber tonight, in eight days from last Sunday to the next Sunday, I will preach nine times and average about a thousand miles a day. I'll tell you, I wish I, I, wish I hadn't retired if I did because I, I'm busier than I've ever been in my life, thank God. You never get too old to serve God. I like the story of that godly mother. That's the kind I have. Mine's still living. 99 years old. Going on to her 100th birthday. I tell that story every now and then in Emmanuel Baptist Church. And there's a young couple sitting down there and she nodded him. And I tell about my dad living to be 94. Never had a good health habit in his life. Not one. He ate pork. He, he, he smoked tobacco. Many, many years of his life, 
Thank God he was saved and he's in heaven tonight. Uh, he, he never had a good health habit. He lived to be 94 and my mom's still living. Bless her sweet soul. I, was, I brought along with me today something I've only read about once in the last 25 years. Years ago, my mother sat down, took a notebook, and she wrote the story of my early life and my little family that was broken by the sin of my father. I brought along, I read on the plan today about my sweet mother and still living at 99 years of age. I read about how she told about how she'd pray for food for the table for her little family after our dad had left us and deserted us. I want to tell you, you never get too old to serve God. And I can imagine somebody coming and saying, you mean just doing the same thing every day? Yes, that's right. Just keep doing the same thing over and over that God said in his book will get the job done. I had a Sunday school superintendent say to me one time, I want you to go calling me in the Monday morning, 10 o'clock, and I went. We went to a home, and uh, in less time it takes to tell it, that we went in the back door, and that superintendent led uh, the lady of that house to the Lord. She had five children, husband had gone, five children, one grown in the service. Uh, he led her to the Lord, and my, you know, that's a happy time when you get somebody saved. I'd been in another room witnessing to a soldier boy, and I came back in. They were getting up off, of the, off their knees. And Brother Williams said, Mrs. Scott has just trusted Jesus as her Savior. I baptized all six of that family in the next few weeks. But we were on our way from that wonderful visit where somebody came to know the Lord. And he said to me, I wonder how many people have been in that home See, we six people, we'd already given their names to six different departments. They'd been calling. Nobody had been saved yet. I said, I wonder how many visits have been made in that home. He said, I'm going to find out. He went to superintendents who'd had them as prospects and been calling in the home. And he said to me a couple of days later, 39 visits had been made in the Scott home. And your visit and mine was the 40th visit and knocking on the same door from the same church 40 times before anybody got saved. You mean just keep marching around the city every day? Yes. Just keep on keeping on doing the right things and carrying out God's plan. And God will put his blessing to it. And God will build a church and see many people saved. Now, I like what I read here. If God said, uh, just blow the ram's horn. He didn't say get the silver trumpets. God doesn't always have to have a silver trumpet. God can take anybody. God can take someone never been to Bible school. And some of the people who've been to Bible school never went in about the Lord. Just take the old ram's horn and blow them. God can use anybody. He doesn't have to have a silver trumpet. He doesn't have to have a polished Christian. God can use a Christian who puts their heart and their tears and their life and their feet and their lips 
and their soul into it. That's what God uses. Then the Lord said, I want you to take the ark, the ark of the Lord. What a precious thing that was in the Old Testament days. It was one of the most vivid types and beautiful pictures of the Lord Jesus. There were in it the broken tablets of the law. There, were in it, there was in it the little golden pot filled with the manna that God sent from heaven. There was in it Arian's rod, that old dry shepherd's staff that bloomed and budded and brought forth almonds which spoke of the resurrection of Christ. And the Lord said, bring that ark and every day keep the ark in the middle of the march. Keep Jesus where he belongs. And I want to say to you, Jesus is the head of the church. I used to say my church, and sometimes if I don't catch myself, I'll say that this certain preacher's church, but I want to tell you it's God's church. And Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus is to be kept in the midst of the church where he was seen when John looked on the Isle of Patmos. He saw Jesus in the midst of the seven lampstands and the golden candlesticks. Jesus, Joshua was told, keep the Lord in the march. God can just use anybody that'll keep Jesus in first place. I like to tell about folks who were saved in Emmanuel Baptist Church and not only saved there, but did a great work for God and won a lot of souls to Christ. I'm thinking of a fellow tonight by the name of uh, Van Tassel who came to our church. Old Brother Wallace Swanson was a deacon in our church 28 years. And many a time, every service, I guess, he'd take a Bible and get a hold of somebody that had come, show them from the Bible how to be saved. And this Mr. Van Tassel came. He's a strange-looking fellow, really. He's as bald-headed as, as, a, as, a, as a bowling ball. I watched a man that couldn't read. I watched him for a few years win soul after soul to Christ, including his brother 400 miles away from him. He just took the Bible and he knew where to find John 3.16 and knew what it said. And God took a man that couldn't even read and used him to win souls to Christ. Just a plain old ram's horn. And God used him as a soul winner. You know, the Lord said to Joshua, keep yourself from the accursed thing. When you go in the city, take no gold, no silver, no beautiful garments. I think God is saying, don't look for material gain. You're in the work of God. This will be a spiritual victory. We're to take the city for the glory of God. Take no material gain. Have but one purpose and one motive. That's to do God's work God's way. And God said, keep yourself from the accursed thing. One man didn't do that. He was burned and stoned and lost his family. God uses clean people. I, I know I'm thinking of a preacher tonight, and there are a lot of preachers here. I'm thinking of a preacher tonight, and he's, he's built two great churches. I've had the privilege of preaching both of them. 
He built two great churches, one in one part of the country, one in another. When preachers get together, they, they talk about preachers, I mean in a good way. And every time you'd ever hear anybody talk about this preacher, they'd say, well, you know, he's not a great pulpit man and not a great platform speaker. That was just their nice way of saying, well, he just can't preach very well. <laughs> and you know, this business of uh, great preachers and so forth is something only God knows in the first place. It may be somebody who's never had the name in the paper. And out under the crossroads somewhere might be the greatest preacher in the world in the eyes of God. But they said this preacher can't preach very much. I was in his church one time, about a thousand people in the church service. And uh, people of his church told me something. I laughed and I cried. And I thanked God and I praised the Lord and I got happy. They said he went out calling one, one Saturday. And he got the promises of 19 people to come to church. Went to the doors and said, now, I'll pick you up in the morning. I want you to come to our Sunday school and our church. And he got 19 people to say, we'll come. He said, I'll come and get you. He went to church early Sunday morning. And he was thinking, praying about the services of that day. And it dawned on him, I don't even have a car. What shall I do? So he went to the first place where it had a promise. He said, you know, I'm sorry. I told you I'd, I'd come pick you up, but I don't have a car. I, I walked over here just tell you. But will you, will you go with me? Yes. The people of his church told me that he came walking across the parking lot on Sunday morning with 19 people marching behind him. And they thought, Nearly every one of them were saved that day because a preacher didn't have any better sense than just to march, 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 and get other people to march with him. Oh, what we need tonight is some people that'll march from one door to another, from one person to another, and keep on marching, and God will give the victory. God will bring people to Christ. May God bless our hearts tonight. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I pray tonight you'll help us to have a meeting with thee like Joshua had. Lord, there are wonderful people here. They're saved. They believe the Bible. We believe thy precious word. We have a job to do. We can't do without the help of God. Oh, Lord, tonight, I pray that we shall have that sweet and wonderful and exciting and empowering meeting with the Lord that will help us to take the city for Christ. Oh, Lord, tonight, we do pray for power, for knowledge of your plan, for strength to carry it out and to do the will of God. 
and win every soul we possibly can to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need thy power. We want to meet with you, Lord, tonight. We take off our shoes and our heart. We throw down our human sword. We fall before thee tonight. We beg of thee, O God, give us the power to take the city for Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you keep your heads bowed just a moment? You know, it's a wonderful thing when we are just honest with God and let God speak to our hearts. I believe tonight what we need is not more buildings, more buses. We need that. We must have those. They're tools for God, but we need more of God's power in our life to carry out his plan and to see people one to Christ. I wonder tonight how many of you have a hunger. God said, I'll pour water upon him that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I believe when God can find somebody whose heart is hungry for that kind of a meeting with the Lord that gives power to carry out his plan to do his work, God gives that power to them. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'd like for you just to leave your seat and come. We're going to pray together. God tonight, I mean God, the holy God, will give power to us as the servants of the Lord. Let's meet him tonight face to face. Let's pray together that God's blessing and power will be upon us in a wonderful way. Kneel where you might. Oh, tonight, dear Lord, how we want to meet you like Joshua met you and leave to do the work of God like he left with a power and a plan. Oh, Lord, tonight, thank you for these precious people who kneel on their knees before you tonight. They're thinking of somebody lost whom they love. They need the power, the humility, the boldness, the grace, the tears to win them to Christ. Lord, may thy power come upon us tonight. Give us that sweet meeting with the Lord Jesus that enhances our life in such a wonderful way for the glory of God. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.